Good morning, everyone. You know when you never kind of know how to wrap up a conversation? If only there was someone with a mic who could just interrupt you whenever you needed it in life. Thank you. Oh, thanks, team. Cheers. Um, yeah, well, good morning. My name's uh, Kieran, as you heard, and um, yeah, it's, it's great to see you and to see a lot of you. It's very cool. <laughs> um, so we are starting a new series this morning. Uh, the series is called Parables, and it's just a short series, a mini-series, so if you've got a shorter attention span, then this one is for you. Um, and just each week, we're going to just be sharing a parable for this week and the next two, and then talking about it. And so just to start, a parable is just a story with a meaning behind it. So a story with a maybe something hidden um, behind the story. And through the Bible, like Jesus used these parables and these stories a lot to teach. And for some reason, he didn't really seem to give these straight answers, but he kind of wanted people to sort of search what he said to, to draw something out of it. And I think it's really cool because it ignites our imaginations when we hear a story. And, it, you know, we want to kind of know how it wraps up and uh, it kind of draws us along with it. And so um, I'm going to read this parable this morning. I've chosen the parable of the sower and um, it's... It's a parable that actually has probably one of the most in-depth explanations, and not all the parables are explained, but I thought I'd pick one that was. I thought that might keep things <laughs> kind of straightforward. Uh, so this story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Mark is a book that is written not really to Christians, but actually it's written to people who don't know God, and it's um, kind of to convince them that what Jesus said about himself is true. And meanwhile, Matthew... It is written to churches, it's written to Christians, it's kind of like a training manual. And Luke, I don't actually know why it was written, but you know. Um, and so whether you're, you know, wherever you might find yourself on this journey, whether you would call yourself a Christian, whether you would call yourself a follower of God, or if you wouldn't, um, yeah, I think that this parable is included in these books because there's something in it that we should expect to find something relevant and something challenging for all of us, no matter what, uh, where we are. Um, so I'm just going to read this passage in the passage, Jesus tells the parable. He gives a brief kind of explanation as to why he used the parable, and then he explains the parable. So I'll read that, and I'm going to read from Mark. You could follow along in Matthew or Luke. might be a little bit disjointed, but... Um. <laughs> so this is Mark 4, the parable of the sower. So it says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And some people think that's a joke because wheat has ears. <laughs> when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, 
But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And he gives the explanation. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And so the act of sowing the seed to start off with, that is the message of God's kingdom going out. And the message is this, that Jesus is the true king of the world. He is the king of us. And therefore, because he is the king, we have to repent or we have to turn around from the kings that we've been following. We have to give up the things that we've been trusting in and the sin that we've been living in, and we have to follow him. That's the message. That's the seed that goes out. But we get to respond, uh, we get to choose how we respond to that message. And Jesus gives these four responses that we might have to that news. And so we're just going to talk about each of those four responses and what those might look like for us today. And I do hope it's really clear to you that... um, the purpose of the parable is to urge us to be like the fourth type of seed. Uh, Jesus isn't saying he wished more of us got snatched away by birds. <laughs> he wants our actions to reflect that we have like heard the news and believed it. And so, yeah, if we're going to produce a crop that's going to spread out, I mean, what does that actually look like? What does it mean to produce a crop or to produce food? So the parable doesn't like specifically say whether this means, um, you know, spreading the message or creating disciples or just living a life that serves God. It doesn't specifically say because it's really it's all of those things and those things are really like obvious from the outside. It's really clear when a tree has fruit on it and and those things are all really clear to see from the outside. But that's not like a given. So that fourth type of seed is not the default response. In fact, it's, I guess you've got a 25% chance if you break it down like that. It's, it's one of four. For this one outcome, it's not, but for this one outcome of producing fruit, there are three other responses that you have to avoid or, or work through to kind of get there. And so the first is to hear God's word and to not understand it. So this is the seed along the path that gets snatched away by Satan. And so the idea of being saved of your sin, it doesn't make any sense if you don't have any sin to be saved of. Is our response to Jesus, thank you, or is it, thanks, but we're doing just fine. Thanks. (laughs) But the Bible says that we actually all sin, and because of sin, we are enemies of God. And the only way out of sin is by God's grace, that he's lived this perfect life on our behalf, and he swapped his reward for our punishment. And so whoever be, believes that is like the seed that is planted and grows. And so the second seed is about hearing the truth and believing it. 
you know, this takes humility. Like, it's humble people that realize that they don't actually have everything in them that they need, that they need something outside of them. They need a different message and they need someone else to come in and help them. And so these are like the people who receive the word and they're like, yes, I get that. Like, that's, that's what I need. Um, the seeds on, on rocky places, unfortunately, they don't all last. You know, when things become hard and it becomes too much, you know, many people give up on God or probably even more crucially or critically, they put God off until later. I'll deal with that later. I'll figure that out later and wins later, I guess. And I think fear is probably like the biggest factor here in that decision is that like our greatest fears reveal our greatest allegiance. What are you most afraid of losing? I don't think any of us are actually at risk of being like physically attacked or killed like it, it is for pe- people in plenty of the world. But the fear that we encounter is we risk being misunderstood or rejected or missing out. And if we fear those things more than we fear God, then we'll choose those things more than we choose God. But instead we're told to fear the Lord. And so it's up to each person, like it's up to each of us to decide, like, what's the value of our faith? Is your whole life worth it to follow Jesus? Or, you know, are there more important fears or things to consider? And we've just finished a, um, a series that dove into some of these topics, uh, tough topics. Well done, Sam, for, for just pressing into that. And, um, yeah, so that Sam talked about things like, money and sex and food and there are things that we can put ahead of God because we are fearful of missing out on those things or um, and yeah so we we put them we figure those out and then whatever's left over we kind of we give that to God and um, and this parable it says that if we do that then our faith it it withers when we prioritize these other things And then still other seed is sown among the thorns. It hears the word and it even grows up. But the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, they come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And so the third seed actually does grow. It just doesn't disappear like the second. But it just doesn't do anything. It's dead. And it kind of falls into the same track. Like it's just able to keep the balance enough so that it looks like everything's sweet. But it's, there's no fruit. There's never, never nothing to pick. And um, yeah, well, I, I had this plant at home and um, I couldn't figure out like what it needed because it was, it obviously needed something, but it was still like there. <laughs> and I like watered it because the lady, when, she, when, no, sorry, when I bought it, I got told, oh, this needs to be kept like pretty dry actually. But then when I got home and looked at the label, it said, keep damp. And I was like, hmm. And so <laughs> it, it kind of kept itself going for a bit. And then it was looking pretty, pretty dry. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to water it. And I just, I just watered it heaps and heaps, like every day. And then I was like, well, that didn't work. So I'll just dry it out completely. That must be the thing. And so I just kind of switched over. And, um, and it was still looking all right. And, but I, I took it in. And the lady just like grabbed it and just ripped it out. And she's like, this plant is dead. And I was like, well, I know. <laughs> Look what you did to it. 
And she's like, no, it was like it was dead. It was rotten. It was just dry. It just dried standing up. And like, I was like, oh. so that's the secret. If you don't know how to grow plants, just, you know, kill them while they're standing up and then it'll be fine. But it, like to me, it was, it was still kind of serving its purpose. Like it obviously wasn't like healthy and, and fruitful, but it was like there, you know. <laughs> it's, it's better than nothing, but compared to a healthy plant, like it, it's not really. And, um, and there's, a, there's a story in the Bible, um, there's a man called Damas, and he's in the New Testament, and he's mentioned by Paul twice, um, well, three times, but in the first two letters, he is like giving his like greetings and hello to um, people in the churches, and so he's clearly like known to the church, and he's hanging out with Paul, who was like the guy of the New Testament, like after Jesus, but yeah, yeah. And so when you're like associated with Paul like that, and he's giving you space in his letters, like you must be someone pretty cool, and and that's awesome. But then like eight or nine years later, Paul writes this third letter, and in that he says. Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. And, like, we don't really know the story of Damas any more than that, and we don't really know what he believed in or, you know, if maybe there were good circumstances. But what we do know is that, like, falling away or, like, coming apart is not just a one-off. Like, it's really common, and we live in such a convincing culture. Like, you don't have to look far to find something that looks a lot more enjoyable fun and alluring than following God, at least in the short term. And so the, the third seed is kind of like the second. It, it gets choked out by the worries and cares of the world, but it just does a better job of looking good for longer. And this can be us when we buy into the idea that God just wants to save us and then like get us out of the world into heaven. And that's, you know, there's just two parts to that. Get saved, go to heaven. But there's so much more, like what happens in between, it, it really matters, like it matters how we spend our time and our money, and being a Christian, it means more than just what we do on our Sunday mornings, or most of our Sunday mornings, because God is looking for people who are putting that, those other worries beneath the worry of becoming a disciple, you know, day after day, he wants people who are trying to find ways to put their trust in him, because they trust him more than they trust themselves. And God wants to send those people back into the world. They are like the next seed to kind of bring the next, the next harvest. And these are people who their families, their businesses, their money, their enjoyment, their dreams, their hopes, they're not as important as being disciplined by God. That's what being a disciple means. It's being trained. And so... When we talk about the fourth seed, it's not so much that the fourth seed is just doing enough to like keep it in. It's not like you're in or you're out. It's more like the fourth seed, its direction is towards God. And so it's instead of being still or going backwards, it's moving towards God. And that happens at all different kinds of paces. But it's all going the same way. It's all facing the same way. So it's not in or out. It's, yeah, what direction are you going? And so with this parable, like, it's not a fixed scale. It's not like we're going to go one, two, three, and you're four. Dennis, you're in. Awesome. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's just an honest kind of measure of where are we at. And the question is to ask is, where am I 
And then where do I want to be? Like it seems, looking at the Bible stories, that people can move up and they can move down the scale. And that can happen, you know, moment to moment. It's not like I'm going to build towards being that fourth. It's like, no, you can, you can just make that decision like right now. Or, yeah, <laughs> you would just keep making it like it is a daily, it's a daily decision. But I think that there is like one major factor that determines where we are on that scale and whether we're moving towards God or moving away or standing still. And that is whether or not we are surrounded by the church. Because if we are on our own and we're trying to make these decisions to choose God and we decide that following God is too hard, which is something that we do all the time, and it's just us on our own, then that's it. Like, we're the last line of defense. Who is going to tell us if there's no one else around? No, like, press in, like, keep going. And so that's the difference between being surrounded by a church, like being in a small group, being known to people, is that there's people to tell you to, to keep pushing in, to keep showing up, to keep asking, to keep seeking and, and asking questions and, like, questing after God, even when we don't feel like it. And then we can do the same for them because it's like, we just, we're all there. But if you're not, then who's going to remind you to do those things? And so to recap, just three points, is that firstly, the good news is this, that you and I have unfortunately lived a sinful life. But because of God's love for us, he is offering the chance to redeem you. And there's, it's just a gift. You just get to accept it. But God wants your whole life, like he wants you to recognize that he is king over everything. But that is your decision to make. And being a disciple, being disciplined is tough work. That's why we all need people around us to point us back to trusting God, to keep us showing up. And it's a lot more than just coming to church. That's not like the point, but that's like the start, you know. We can do, this is like ground zero, and then it it goes out from there. And so that's why our vision at Echo is to be a family becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus together. I said to Sam when he was putting this together, I was like, you don't need together like you already said family. And he's like, no, I really want it to be clear that it's in there. We're putting it in there twice. And and so we did. And, And I think that's, yeah, that's because it is so key. And that's what, yeah. God is inviting us into. So Hefano Emanawanui Anakiu Anakia Ihu Karaiti. That is our vision. So would you all stand and I'll just pray for us and we'll invite the team back up, which I was meant to do part way through, but um <laughs> Um yeah, dear God, we thank you for uh, this church that you are building. And um, yeah, we just recognize, God, first of all, that this is your world. And um, yeah, we yeah we pray that we'd be a people who are pointing to you and pointing each other to you and um, being pointed to you. And yeah, so we bless this time that showing up to church is more than just like an event but it's uh it's a commitment to be led by other people and to lead other people and um yeah it's a family god and um yeah we just thank you that you lead us in that and so yeah would you help us to 
yeah to follow after you to to keep pushing in and just to realize like yeah it gets it gets hard but um would you help us to keep showing up god Mm. and we thank you god most of all that it is good and on the other side of things being tough and alluring and man the world looks good sometimes but if we would trust you we would know how good you are and how much better you are yeah in your name god we pray amen Thank you.